So our reading today was Acts chapter 8. And uh, this, this chapter is like a, a turning point in the book of Acts. When the gospel moves outside the Jewish confines of Jerusalem to the Samaritans. You remember Acts 1.8? When we talked about Acts chapter 1, we talked about how Acts 1.8 is almost like a table of contents for the book of Acts. And, um, and Acts 1.8 indicated that this would be the next progression um, in Jerusalem and Judea and in all Samaria. And here we see it happening. Uh, it is noteworthy, however, how it came about, which is one the first thing we should consider here, and that is there is purpose in persecution. So you remember in the previous chapter, in Acts chapter 7, we saw a detailed account of the martyrdom of Stephen. And um, at the end of that chapter, we were introduced to, uh, as Acts 7, uh, 58 puts it, a young man named Saul. Well, we learn... Uh, in the first verse of the this chapter, this present chapter, that he was standing approvingly over Stephen's execution, Acts 8.1. Uh, and furthermore, the martyrdom of Stephen wasn't simply an isolated instant, incident, but rather one particular example of an epidemic of persecution waged against Christians at the time. In those days, Luke tells us in Acts 8.3, Saul was ravaging the church and dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So it's easy to gloss over that when you read it. But just put yourself in that situation and try and imagine what it must have been like uh, to have someone who is, uh, if you met him, would drag you off and commit you to prison. This was the lot of the church in those days. In fact, the persecution was so bad that many of them were forced to flee their homes so as to escape imprisonment or even death. Can you imagine? Uh, why would the Lord allow his own people to be forced from their homes and scattered to other places because of persecution? Well, verse 4 gives us a big hint. Luke tells us, quote, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. End quote. So the persecution against those Christians would seemingly be inexplicable if God's uh, pur purpose for every believer was to make them as comfortable and as pain-free as possible in this world, but that's not his purpose for us. We exist and have breath in our lungs for the glory of God, and if we really believe that, then we will accept everything that comes our way, even persecution in an understanding way, if we know that it can in some way bring glory to God, and God give us grace to do that. Those early believers knew it and believed it, which is why uh, when they were forced out of their homes, they didn't mope or complain or shake their fist at God for allowing it to happen. To the contrary, they joyfully went on preaching the word as they had been doing all along. The glory of God and bearing witness to the Lord Jesus Christ was more important to them than any other comfort they might enjoy apart from the, doing those things. And we could learn a lot from them because in that way, it was in that way that the gospel came to the Samaritans. Let's, let's also think from this chapter about believers um, without genuine repentance and faith. Uh, as they went about preaching and bearing witness in Samaria, um, many, it says in verse 12, professed faith in Jesus and began following Christ. Uh, one of those who professed faith was, it says in verse 9, a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic. 
And because of that, um, he was a man who was uh, very popular, uh, seemingly very powerful, and greatly feared. Um, he was praised so highly and constantly by the people that Luke tells us that he went around, and ver verse 9 tells us, saying that he himself was somebody great. He began to believe him, uh, uh, himself all the things that people were saying about him. Now, that's a dangerous place to be in your own mind. But because he believed what they said about him, that he was somebody great, he began to be jealous when the crowds that previously followed him began following uh, the, the apostles. And he noticed that they were performing signs and miracles uh, and uh, that they were capturing all the people's attention. Verse 6, so he decided to see for himself uh, what was going on, and he was amazed by what he saw. And we've already seen in previous chapters that the main purpose of the signs and miracles that the apostles performed was to draw a crowd so that they could hear the gospel and the miracles would lend authority to the message that they proclaimed. Well, many understood this and believed the message that they spoke. Simon, however, apparently professed faith in Jesus and was baptized um, because he believed that by doing so, he would receive the same power to do the same miracles that the apostles had performed, verses 18 and 19. In other words, he still wanted the ability to say, as he did in verse 9, that he himself was somebody great. Because he tried to bribe the apostles in an attempt to have the power that they displayed in verses 18 and 19, Peter called on him to repent of his wickedness and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you, verse 22. In other words, despite his profession of faith in verse 13, verse 22 makes it clear that his profession was never genuine to begin with. Uh, he came to Jesus for other worldly benefits he thought he would receive. It showed that he never did really care about Christ, but still only cared about himself. And we need to remember that Jesus calls us to die to ourselves and live for him, for his glory, and for his purpose, Luke 9, 23, and 24. He promises blessing, for sure, but not in the way the world gives it, thankfully. Well, finally, let's think about Philip and the Ethiopian. Um, the latter half of the chapter recounts the story of Philip preaching the gospel to an Ethiopian eunuch whom he found on the road who was reading the Bible but, but struggling to understand it. And without telling the whole story, just we'll point out one verse in it, verse 35. Verse 35, uh, we read, quote, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told the good news about Jesus. That's a very simple verse, but profoundly instructive in our efforts to be good and faithful witnesses of our Lord and Savior. Uh, many like to advocate what they might term lifestyle evangelism that is being a good witness to the lord jesus christ simply by the way we live our lives and maybe people will see our kindness or see um, the things we prioritize they will just notice the way we live and be drawn to jesus that way the fact is however um that a moral lifestyle does not necessarily say anything to anyone about Jesus. There are a lot of moral people who detest Jesus. There are a lot of generous people who want, who want nothing to do with Jesus. There are a lot of kind people who want nothing to do with Jesus. 
And furthermore, Jesus calls us to do more than that. We are called to do exactly what Philip did here. Open our mouths and tell someone about the good news of Jesus. This requires that we know the scriptures, which Philip obviously did. It also requires that we ourselves have a firm grasp of the good news about Jesus. And finally, it requires a boldness in the Holy Spirit actually to open our mouths and tell someone what we believe. And may God make us these, this kind of witness for his sake and for his glory wherever we go. Those are some thoughts from Acts chapter 8.